In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Six, four, Welcome to another episode of the 643 Podcast. Still in short, with you as always, the show today is brought to you by 680 The Fan and the Dickey Broadcasting Company, or on the Podcast Park, where you can find this podcast as well as all of the other podcasts from the other 680 hosts. There is a gluttony of podcasts at the Podcast Park, where you can find your favorite ones. Like and subscribe to them on your favorite platform, so you can kept up to date whenever a new episode drops, like yours truly here every Tuesday and Thursday, along with Saturday shows on 680 The Fan podcastpark.com also found wherever your favorite podcasts are located so about last series if you guys were listening on 680 the fan yesterday to the audio fun bag the front rows audio fun bag i should say between 6 and 8 p.m then you already know my thoughts on that series but if you didn't tune in to me on the radio yesterday first of all how dare you uh, I got kids to feed, man. I, I got mouths I got to feed. So tune in every time I'm on the radio, please. Uh, but secondly, I'll, I'm going to do this anyway. Essentially, pretty much what I did yesterday, for those of you that don't tune into the radio station or maybe don't listen on the app, the 6 the Fan app, um, where you can also, if you get tired of listening to Chip and BJ or whoever's doing the calling with him and you want to hear some decent analysis, you can just go on the 6 of the Fan app and listen to the Braves games there. Uh, ben and Joe do a great job. Obviously, Jim does a great job as well. Uh, ben and Peter Moylan were fantastic when they had a little run as well. All sorts of good things you can find on the 6 of the Fan app as, long, as well as the podcasts or kind of recorded versions of your favorite shows. Download that now. It's free. Go ahead and do that. Um, but I'm just going to do fairly similar to what I did yesterday for those of you that didn't tune in uh, yesterday to the radio station. So uh, obviously that series losing, dropping four out of five to the Mets, especially in a series where you got beat up. And I know a lot of the games ended up being kind of close scores when you look at them. There weren't a lot of what you'd say blowouts. The Mets did outscore the Braves by nine runs. And remember that number, because I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, because people are getting a little too feisty with what they're saying about the Braves' offense. They're being a little too reactionary, and it, frankly, makes you sound stupid. So we'll go over that in a little bit. Uh, but Braves lost game one, six to four. They won game two, nine to six. Saturday, the doubleheader, they lost the first, uh, lost the, one of them was six to two, the other was eight to five. And then yesterday's game, which didn't go, or Sunday's game, was a 5-2 to two defeat. That was in Jacob deGrom's game, which when Jacob deGrom is on point, 
you're not scoring very many runs off of him, so I can kind of see that. But there's no other way to say this other than that was an extremely disappointing series. That was about as bad as that series could go. Your starting pitching pretty much across the board uh, just did not do very well. Spencer Strider yesterday only went two and two-thirds innings through 80 pitches in those two and two-thirds. And a lot of that can be owed to the Mets being an extremely frustrating team to have to pitch to uh, just anyway. They're a team that fouls off a lot of pitches. You can't you got to get them pretty early. You got to try to get them to make hard or make soft contact because that is one thing that they do. They don't make a lot of hard contact as a team. Uh, I know there's a lot that gets made about the fact that they don't really strike out. They're also not a supremely powerful lineup at all. So there is there is opportunity there if the Babbitt gods give you just a little bit of help in getting them out early. Uh, unfortunately, this is one of those series where everything just kind of snowballed and everything went wrong for the Braves. Every blue pit that the Mets had was falling down. You had, uh, in the, I can't remember if it was the first or the second inning. It might have been the second inning of that uh, of, of Sunday's game where you had Frankie Lindor just drop like a little 76-mile-an-hour nothing burger right on the line, got himself uh, a base hit. might have been a double on that. Pete Alonzo grounds one to third that Austin Riley would have fielded. Instead, it hits the bag, hops up over him, and goes into the outfield, scores a run. Spencer was visibly upset after that. And that was kind of par for the course for that whole series. The Braves did what they normally do offensively. They hit the ball really, really hard. They did struggle against the Mets starting pitching. And obviously, Edwin Diaz, who's been the best closer in baseball this year, he was really, really good. He was lights out the whole time. Um, But I, I don't like hearing this about how, oh, this was... You know, this this really showed you the weakness in the Braves' offense. No, it really didn't. Um, most of these games, when you see, the Braves scored enough to win. If you score three or more runs, you should probably win the game. Especially if you score four or more runs, you should win the game. Uh, in, that, in that instance, you could say Thursday, the Braves' offense scored four. They should have been able to hold the Mets' offense under six. They should have been able to hold the Mets' offense under four. Uh, so that's a game that you could have won, but you didn't. Friday's game. You scored nine, so you did win that one. Saturday. One of the games was 8-5. to five. You score five runs, you should win that game. Didn't happen. Now, that one's a little bit misleading because it happened to be a three-run. It was 8-2 uh, to two going into to the ninth inning, and you got a three-run homer by, I believe it was Eddie Rosario. Uh, but got a three-run homer in that game to, to bring the score within two. Uh, second game, 6-2. to two. Now, if you score two runs, then I'm going to say that you're probably there's a fair chance you're losing that one. Sunday's game, again, scored two. Not going to win many games when you're only scoring two runs. Uh, and that's kind of what happened. But don't be fooled by the broadcasters saying that the Mets' offense is better than the Braves or that that's why the Braves' offense can struggle at times. It's just simply not true. It, it's not a correct take, and it's it takes very little to actually prove that that's incorrect. Uh, you would probably have taken away from that series that the Mets offense had scored a ton more runs than the Braves and that they'd been a lot more consistent than the Braves. That is not true. The Braves have scored, or the Mets, before yesterday, where the Braves were off, so I'm not going to count that. But uh, as of the end of the game on Sunday, the Mets had scored 523 runs. The Braves had scored 522 the Mets outscored the Braves by nine runs, 31 to 22 in that series. So it took outscoring the Braves by nine runs for the Mets offense to overtake the Braves for third in baseball and runs scored. So miss me with the whole idea that the Mets offense is just better than the Braves. Even more than that, though, it goes deeper than that. The Mets offense has scored, uh, they have scored less than three runs. They have in 27 of their losses. The Braves have scored less than three runs in 22, yeah, 22 total games now 
with Sunday's game. The Braves have scored more runs more often than the Mets. They have been the better offense. They will continue to be the better offense. And I know the Braves strike out a lot, but it just seems kind of wild to me that you'll still get people who literally watched last year in which the team literally won a World Series striking out and hitting bombs. You take advantage of your mistakes. Do you really think you're going to get six, seven hits off of Jacob deGrom enough to really force the issue in, in single here, single there, blue pit there, blue pit there? That's not a, like, just because the Mets are making it work for them right now does not mean that that's the way that you build a ball club. The Kansas City Royals won a World Series in 2015 playing small ball, having no power, and relying on pitching and defense. That is an outlier, folks. That is not how you build a ball club. Just because one team can succeed that way does not mean that that is the way that your team needs to succeed. There is a reason why the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Astros hit tons of home runs. The big thing, if you want to talk about the big difference in the offenses, it's not even the strikeout rates, by the way. It's the chase rate. That's where the Braves offense really needs to figure some things out. It's the walk rate as well. That Because of that chase rate being so high, the walk rate is only 7.5%. That's not, that's, I think uh, I had the numbers on air yesterday. I think that puts them at like 21st or 23rd in the league. That's not good enough for a top flight offense. If you're going to live off power, you need to have runners on base. You need to have high OBPs. You need to take your walks. That way, when you're hitting the home runs, they do more damage. That's obviously, that makes, you know, that, that doesn't take a rocket scientist to say that. It makes a lot of sense. That's one area where the Braves can get better. And if they can fix the chase rate, where they are the fourth worst, they're 27th in the league in terms of chase rate. If you can fix the chase rate, the walk rate will skyrocket as well. And then you'll score even more runs because there will be more runners on base for you to take advantage of mistake pitches and hit those out of the ballpark. If the Braves can fix their chase rate here towards the end of the season, nobody will be saying anything about this offense because they'll go on this tangent where they start really scoring <laughs> runs. Sorry about that. My dog likes to go a little bit crazy anytime I record. That's just kind of what he does. And it can kind of uh, get a little bit loud. He's a little dog with a big bark, but uh, no worries there. Back to what I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted. Uh, once the Braves, if they can fix that chase rate, and, and it's a little late in the season for them to really climb the ladder on it as far as overall rankings this year. But if you can solidify that chase rate going forward through the end of this season, you will see a vastly different type of offense in the postseason. Now, I'm going to give credit to the Mets. Their pitchers were really, really good. It's, you know, you're not really chasing all that much when it's DeGrom or Scherzer. They're really good in the zone. Uh, that is another area where the Braves, I think, could do a little bit better as far as their in-zone whiff rates. Again, I'm not going to be upset about the strikeouts as long as you are still scoring runs at a large clip. The Braves are. They're fourth in Major League Baseball and runs scored. Offense is not an issue. Uh, but it does, it does kind of point to, to how you need to be able to scratch across runs when you play top-flight pitching. Now, granted... Not every team has a Jacob DeGrom and a Max Scherzer as their one, too. And you can tell me that when you get to the playoffs, you're facing a lot of great pitching. That's true to a degree. You're still not facing DeGrom and Scherzer. DeGrom is a unicorn. Scherzer is, if it weren't for DeGrom, then we'd say that Scherzer is a unicorn. But DeGrom is the best pitcher that's ever picked up a baseball. Uh, the man was throwing 96 mile an hour sliders. At one point in the game, the Braves had swung 18 times at Jacob DeGrom's slider. They had or 16 times. They had swung 16 or 18 times on the slider and had whiffed on all 16 or 18 of them. I believe they whiffed on 21 sliders in total from Jacob DeGrom. That's just absolutely nutty. 
That's uh, that's not supposed to happen. That's not something that any other pitcher in baseball can do. No other pitcher can dot 102 where they want it, dot a 96-mile-an-hour slider. No one else can even throw a 96-mile-an-hour slider. I did not think the human body was capable of throwing a 96-mile-an-hour slider. When DeGrom is on like that, you're just praying that he makes a mistake pitch. He made one mistake pitch to Dansby Swanson, who I believe Ariel Adrianza had taken a walk a couple batters before, and uh, Dansby hit a two-run bomb. Just another case of Dansby solidifying uh, himself as one of, one of, if not the top free agent shortstop that's going to be on the market. Taking a two-run jack off of DeGrom. Unfortunately, you weren't able to score anything after that, and you end up losing the game. But to even get a home run off of DeGrom the way he was pitching on Sunday, that, that's a pretty big accomplishment. You're not going to have to face DeGrom all the time. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that the division is over. The Mets have a seven-game lead right now, and they're all happy and tweeting about it, which, you know, when you've been a laughing stock for nearly 40 years, I get it. you got to do what you got to do. The Mets haven't been a good team since I've been alive. Yeah, they had the blip in 2015, but you lost a World Series to the freaking Kansas City Royals. You probably need to pipe down. And Mets Twitter and SNY on Twitter, they're, you know, posting everything up, trying to talk up Sal Licata. Um, I... I don't, I would feel bad if this weren't the team that started doing this and then blew a 10.5 game lead. So I don't know why you would want to do this right now at a 7 game lead. I just kind of figure, you know, you, you've tempted the baseball gods enough. You know they hate the Mets anyway, but we'll see what happens. Uh, for what it's worth, I don't, I've said it all season long. I don't think the Mets are a bad team. I think they're a very good team. I just think the Braves are better. I know, hasn't, hasn't borne out that way so far this season. Maybe the Mets are just a really good matchup against the Braves. I don't know. But I think the Braves, top to bottom in that roster, are better. Yes, DeGrom and Scherzer are better than any one-two the Braves can roll out. But I'm I'm sorry. I'm not taking Chris Bassett and Carlos Carrasco over Spencer Strider and Kyle Wright. I'm just not doing it. I think that you take the top four of the Braves over the top four of the Mets. I think you do that pretty easily, actually. I think it's kind of close, but I'm going to take the, the I'm going to take Freed and Morton and Strider and, and Wright over... DeGrom and Scherzer and Bassett and Carrasco. That's just kind of how it is. I got more faith in Strider and Wright than I do in Carrasco and Bassett, especially in terms of health, by the way, which that is another area. The Mets have to really, really hope that they don't have any sort of injuries going forward as uh, their pitching staff is kind of brittle. Tywin Walker is brittle. Carlos Carrasco has been brittle in the past. Uh, Scherzer had dead arm last season, hasn't had any, and had missed a lot of this season with some issues. Uh, obviously with DeGrom, the only thing that can stop Jacob DeGrom is physics and that the human body, like his body is the only thing that can stop him because you're just not supposed to be able to do what he does. Um, but aside from that, I think they're, I think they're a pretty well-constructed ball club. I think the Braves have a better lineup. I think, you know, the fact that the Braves were leading in the run scored category by the offenses before that series kind of shows it. That is the marker. I don't need you to tell me that, oh, well, the Braves have had a much easier schedule. The teams share 158 out of 162 games. Don't talk to me about the schedules. That's a, that's a loser talking point. You don't need that talking point. Um, starting pitching was the big difference in this series. The Mets offense give them a lot of credit. They were super frustrating. Yeah, they had all the blue pits. Yeah, the home plate umpiring sucked, but it sucked for both teams. So I'm not going to, I'm not even going to lend any credence to the umpiring. Bad umpiring is bad umpiring. Good teams, good teams overcome it and take advantage of mistake pitches that you get. Braves didn't do that in four out of the five games and lost because of it. Uh, Ian Anderson and Guillermo Heredia were also optioned to AAA, although Ian will still be with the club. He's going to make one of the starts uh, on Saturday against the Marlins in a doubleheader there, and then he will report to AAA. Waskari Noah uh, and Chadwick Trump were called up because of it because Travis Darno is a little dinged up. 
after getting hammered on a play at the plate by Pete Alonso. And what I really think, and I don't want to sound like I'm being overdramatic or I'm being a sore loser here, was one of the most egregious replay overturns I have ever witnessed in my life. This play was just as clear-cut as the Alec Bohm play. The infamous Alec Bohm play where he never touched the plate, but the ump had rolled him safe on the field, and so they stated that there wasn't enough to overturn it. Somehow, some way, they thought that there was enough to overturn this Pete Alonso play at the plate in which he was called out. It was one of the most incredible acrobatic tags you will see from a catcher as Travis jumps up, catches the ball, turns around, tags through the legs, and got hammered for it in the lower half. If you haven't seen that play, go watch it and, and tell me that you can see clear and convincing evidence that Pete Alonso touched the plate, and I will call you a liar. There was no excuse for that call being overturned. Whether you think he was safe or not, there is no way, no angle on that play where you can look at it and say, oh yeah, no, that clearly he got in before the tag. Absolutely atrocious. That was a big turning point in that game. I'm not going to blame it for the loss, but it did cost Travis Darno as he didn't play for the last two games of the series because of it. And it does leave the Braves a little bit thin at catcher. It does mean I get more William Contreras, which is what I've wanted to see. Unfortunately, it does mean that we're going to see more Marcelo Zuna at DH, who's just been in a two-year-long slump at this point. The Braves were almost able to move him at the deadline. They had a deal to move him to Miami straight up for Avisel Garcia. I don't know why it fell through. I don't know if it was a money thing or what the deal was, but I would think that they'll probably revisit that in the offseason as we're at the point in time now where you can't keep running Marcel in the lineup. He's, he's just been a drain, and you certainly shouldn't be batting him fifth in the lineup at all. Uh, but William Contreras has been one of the most impactful bats on the team this season. He's got big power, 15 bombs on the season for him, and very limited playing time, things like 57 games. Um, William Contreras needs more at-bats. He, he needs to be in the starting lineup more often than not, whether that's a catcher at DH, doesn't really matter. He just needs to be in the lineup. Robbie Grossman has really been swinging the bat well. Doesn't have a ton to show for it, but everything he's hit so far has been hard hit. I love what he's done so far, and that could just be a symptom of leaving a, a team like Detroit and coming to Atlanta. But Robbie Grossman looks like he's been an excellent trade for just for Chris Anglin. Uh, Eddie Rosario's been swinging the bat better. He's still not going to have great numbers at season's end. His start to the season was so bad, and he had a pretty prolonged slump right after coming back. But he's been hitting the ball a lot harder lately. The biggest news for the Braves, and the reason why you should not be throwing in the towel right now or be overly upset, is Ronald Acuna's back. When you look at that series, Ronald went 8 for 19, had 8 hard-hit baseballs, had a home run, 2 doubles, and a stolen base, and most importantly, was lifting the ball. His fly ball percentage was like 44%, which is vastly up from what it had been all season long, where it was at about 33%, and seemed like it had been a lot lower lately. His ground ball percentage had been skyrocketed up over 40% to this point in the season, especially while he'd been really slumping over the past month or so. So to see him lifting the ball and instantly get rewarded for it, that's a bad sign for the rest of the league. That's a really good sign for Atlanta because I think Ronald's going to come back with a vengeance. And I really, I wouldn't be shocked if you see it like starting tonight. I think, uh, He's got the mojo back. He looks happier. He looks a lot more relaxed. He doesn't. He clearly wasn't pressing after he saw uh, the home run go out the other night. Saw the ball lifting in the air a little bit. That's what I wanted to see from Ronald. He still hits the ball extremely hard, but it didn't matter if he was hitting it on the ground or in the air. He was still crushing baseballs. But when you're crushing them on the ground of the third baseman, there ain't nothing you can do. You're not going to beat that throw to first base. There's nothing you're going to be able to do. Lift the ball, elevate elevate to celebrate. That's why that's the saying. And for Ronald to get back to lifting the ball, 
the rest of the National League should be very, very worried because the Braves have been a great team this year without Ronald Acuna being Ronald Acuna. Now the pressure is going to be off Austin Riley and Matt Olson and Dansby Swanson because Ronald's coming back to claim that throne. And I, this is the type of, of time, and Ronald is that type of player to where now that things are going well for him, you're going to see him come back with a major vengeance. If the Braves are going to go deep in the postseason this year and they have all the chance in the world and they should go very deep in the postseason this year. I've said it all year long. They are a team that is built to do very well in October. Ronald Acuna is going to be the main part of that. Yes, Austin Riley is a superstar, but it is possible and essential to have more than one superstar on a team if you want to win a World Series. Go through all of the past World Series winners for the past five, six, seven years. There are multiple superstars on those World Series winners because that's what you have to do in today's game. Michael Harris had a very down se- a very down series defensively, which was a theme all around. Dansby made at least two, maybe even three errors in that series. Austin Riley made two errors in that series. The defense, which has normally been very good for Atlanta, was really, really bad. Very similar to that uh, that series with Philly and kind of that series with Chicago where just everything that could go wrong went wrong. And occasionally that happens to the Braves. And then you get a reset, and then all of a sudden they go on one of those runs where they look great. So I'm hoping that's what we're going to see here. I don't like to call a two-game set a series, so I'm not going to call it a series against Boston. I'll just call it a two-game set. Boston is reeling. They're the worst pitching staff in the majors right now. They're not a good offense either. There's just no life on that team. So I would expect the Braves to use this opportunity to get right. Then they go to play and uh, they play that a four game set with Miami. Then you get the Mets coming back to Atlanta. And that's the one that everybody's going to circle. You are not out of the division yet. You have seven games remaining between the Braves and the Mets all in Atlanta. There is still a story to be written on this rivalry this season. And to be frank, I think it's good that the Mets are good. I think it's a good thing for the Braves that the Mets are good. I think teams that have a good rival are going to do better. They're not going to be able to be complacent. They're not going to be able to sit on their laurels. What the Astros do by having a fairly weak division at times, that is kind of an outlier. Usually you need some sort of competition in order to keep going. Honestly, I think it's one of the reasons why the Dodgers falter in the World Series because they have pretty much a cakewalk to get into the postseason and to win that division. And I know I know they had a tough seven-game set with the Giants last year. Again, out of the ordinary. I think there's a reason the Dodgers could not win other than a 60-game sprint in 2020. I think that you need a good rival. You need a good competitive team that's going to keep you playing all the way through the end. I think that iron sharpens iron. So I think that having a good rival in the NL East is a good thing for the Braves. And as to the people that, that say that, you know, as long as you get to October, it doesn't really matter uh, whether you win the division or you win a buy. That's not true. Don't say that. That's that's kind of comes off as a very loser mentality. Um, the Braves did not come into the season saying, hope we get a wild card spot. Just let's just get a wild card spot and get to October. You set out to win the division. The Braves are a world series team reigning world series champs. You expect to win the division, and if you don't win the division, it is a letdown. Does that mean that you can't make a run as a wild card? No, definitely not. You can clearly make a run as a wild card. Uh, it happens all the time to other teams. But you come into this saying that you're going to win the division. The Braves especially, that have all the history as far you know, the 14 straight division championships. They were looking for a fifth straight division championship this year. They did not come into this season thinking a wild card berth was okay. Um, whether that means you get to dodge the Padres or not, who are one in four or one in five, even since the, since the trade deadline. Um, I, I, I don't care about the matchups because personally I'm, 
feel good about, I feel confident about the Braves in pretty much any matchup. That's what happens when you're one of the best rosters in the major leagues. You should be able to handle any other team in the majors. And I think the Braves are one of those, particularly once they get Ozzy Albies back. Um, just having Ozzy back for the team would be really nice. Really good defensive player at second base. Although Orlando Arcia has been nails as a defender at second base. You can see that his bat has really cooled off lately. Uh, just getting Ozzy back in there and hopefully Ozzy getting himself turned around a little bit because I do think we're kind of overvaluing Ozzy Albies bat for what he's shown in the last couple of years. He's kind of done the reverse Dansby Swanson where he's gotten kind of consistently worse um, the past couple of seasons. Now I know he's, he's shown the power a little bit, but he's been kind of power or bust. He's not really doing much else. Uh, he, he's not been great offensively. So I, I hope that when he comes back, he'll be able to, to kind of be right and be what we've seen from Ozzy in the past. Cause that's a big deal for this Braves team. He can hit home runs at a good clip. If he's going right, he can also get a lot of extra base hits when he's right. And that's what the Braves need to get from him. Uh, I, again, I, I think the Braves have all the talent in the world. I'm still projecting them to go deep into the postseason. I still think they're a better team than the Mets. And I am not going to say that the Braves are not going to win the division until the division is clinched. Until the division is actually clinched, I will say that the Braves should be the ones to win this division. I just think that they're the best roster top to bottom. Maybe I'm being a homer, but that's what I'm feeling. You get a good opportunity to show that. Uh, you get to beat up on some bad teams. You get another shot at the Mets, and then you get to finish off against some other bad teams. The best team you're going to play after the Mets, I think, is probably the Giants, and they're not a great team either. You get a fair bit of matchups with the Phillies. Don't be fooled by the fact that the Phillies were beating up on the Nationals. The Nationals are there are double-A squads that could beat that Nationals team. I'm not scared of the Phillies. Yeah, Bohm and, and JT Romuto and Hoskins have been hitting better lately. Yeah, they have Wheeler and Nola. Their bullpen is still horrible. Yes, cool. They got David Robertson. Doesn't mean their bullpen is good. Their bullpen is still bad. Their defense is still atrocious. Bryce Harper is probably going to come back soon, and that's going to be good for their offense. But if you can't catch the baseball, then no, you're not going to be a real threat. I think there's a chance that they'll take over the last wild card spot from the Brewers, but I don't think they're a team that I'm worried about in the slightest as far as you know them overtaking the Braves or anything like that. Um, you don't Half measure teams aren't going to win much, and, and the Phillies are... The, pretty much the very definition of a half-measure team. Uh, for the Braves, it's just you got to go out there and you got to wipe this series from your memory. I don't want to say that you, you don't want to let it get too down, but you cannot let this happen again. The Mets are feeling themselves, and they have a right to. They, they really beat you up in this series. It was pretty much a domination series for the Mets, despite some of the games looking close. At no point did the Braves look like the better team than the Mets in this series. So you're going to get another shot in a week or two here, about a week and a half, to go up and, and get a second shot at the Mets, this time at your ballpark, and you're going to need to put paid to them. You're going to need to show them a little something. You're going to need to remind them that you're the reigning World Series champion, that you've won the division four times in a row because the Mets got a lot of momentum right now. They're feeling really, really good about themselves, and you want to go in there and just show them and remind them that, hey, everything runs through Atlanta. Show them that next week, and I think the Braves are perfectly fine. We'll be talking about this as a blip in the road once we get a little bit farther into the season. Ronald Acuna being back, I think, is going to make a big, big deal out of that. We'll see what happens with the starting pitching. Jake Odorizzi wasn't great in his first start, but again, none of the starting pitchers were good against the Mets. We'll see what happens next time they face him through in Jake Odorizzi's second start. Uh, I'm not going to go too... I'm not going to be too crazy on him early on. I'm not going to bash him or anything because he is having to work with a new catcher. And that's something that's very difficult to do. It's why a lot of teams don't really make trades for new catchers during the season, because there is a lot to be said with working and being comfortable and familiar with the catcher calling the pitches behind the plate. That is something that you need to learn. That's something that they'll get better at in the off season. Um, but until then, we'll see what the Braves can do. 
want to go out there and get that taste out of their mouths. And it starts tonight against a bad team in Boston. We'll see that going forward, but that's going to do it for me. I'll be back again on Thursday here for the 643 Podcast. That's all, folks. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Hey, sandwich lovers. Today's your lucky day. There's a whole new way to roll for lunch or dinner delight with Nucky's Hoagies in the Roswell Corners Shopping Center. Now open. Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell is family owned and operated by the subsisters, Stacey and Shannon, whose love language is food and Nucky's Hoagies, their passion. When you bite into a Nucky's Hoagie, you'll taste the difference. The softest hoagie rolls ever, along with hunger-quenching sandwich combinations. Make Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell on Woodstock Road your new favorite spot for lunch or dinner.